folks, welcome back to Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about movies. I'm your co-host, Romy Tell, and joining me, as always, is Michael Jones. Greetings, Filmer. I see you. Greetings, Filmer. I see you. We're calling this Mini Mechanics, because this is going to be a shorter episode than what we typically do. I have seen Spider-Man No Way Home. Michael has not, so I'm going to give my spoiler-free review, and then Michael is going to do a heated gaming moment at the end. That right, buddy? Yeah, and it's it's also called mini mechanics because I mean, has anybody seen Honey I Shrunk the Kids? Um, we uh, we were you know in the lab over the weekend and uh, might have made a mistake. If someone could please send help. That's right, folks. Michael finally watched Honey I Shrunk the Kids and has not stopped talking about it. Finally catching up on those important <laughs> Just, cultural milestones. And of course, I mean the show, not even the movie. Uh, so we just recorded uh, a whole spoiler-filled synopsis where I told Michael everything that happened. I mentioned that because I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day. But just so everyone knows, Michael is aware of the plot of this movie. Um, I'm calling this a mostly spoiler-free review because there's no way to really talk about this movie without spoiling something. Uh I will say, if you have successfully managed to avoid any of the leaks or the spoilers, especially now after the movie is out, I applaud you, and I don't want to be the one that ruins that. So, here's my Spark Notes review for anyone who may be listening that thinks they should turn it off. Shut up, you're going to spoil the movie. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just playing. <laughs> if you've ever liked a Spider-Man movie, and I would even say if you liked Insomniac's Spider-Man games, uh, you're going to like this movie. And it feels like it's cheating in some ways, but that's just the way it is. There's going to be something in this movie you find enjoyable. Now, I'm stalling a little bit, just in case someone is desperately trying to quit and they can't unlock their phone or whatever. Um, the thing I'm going to slightly spoil is I'm going to talk about the cast of this movie, which was like the worst kept secret uh, in comic book movie history. So, uh Let's get into it. Do you I, want to add something, Michael? I think they wanted people to know. I think they wanted I to like I'm convinced spill the some beans. of the leaks were marketing. Yeah. 100%. Um, okay, let's dive right into it. So, the cast of this movie. Uh, oh, and I should mention, I'm not going to do like a sweet sour sauce thing. I'm just going to kind of, you know, talk right. and, and uh, feel free to chime in. Cast of this movie, extremely good. Um, it, it brings back villains from the previous Spider-Man franchises and Willem Dafoe steals the absolute show, which is not breaking news in any context, in any movie, but he is so good in this movie and so scary, like legitimately the, maybe one of the best MCU villains. Actually, that's not even that much of a, he's the best MCU villain as far as the movies go. Like he's been, he's so frightening. Your ass is mine, <laughs> Spider-Man. He said that, right? Yeah. Like he, he actually, yeah. he actually said that in Spider-Man one, didn't he? I haven't seen that movie in at least like 15 years. I just years. recently rewatched it, but I can't remember. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Important information. Uh, he's great. He's so good. And they make him a bona fide Holland villain, which was smart. Uh, here's the spoiler right here. They also bring back heroes from past Spider-Man franchises, namely Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. And they are also great. Uh, that's all I'll say about them. Uh, there, there's, well, I will say there's a lot of buzz to like bring back those guys. And I think we may see them again. And, um, I just want to say, I echo the sentiment of people saying they should just make Andrew Garfield, the Venom Spider-Man. Cause that guy is really charismatic 
And I think if Sony can nab him, they should. There's like literally no reason for them not to just print money. And, you know, I guess even with like MCU fatigue, as we've talked about on this show at length, they are always really good at casting like people who are charming, right? So like that's not, it feels like that's always the case with these Marvel movies is the cast for the most part is good, um, which is why Defoe being like actually frightening is even better. And he has some incredible one-liners. Um, I did uh, read a, a brief article where Defoe uh, had mentioned that he really wanted to be active in this movie, not just a cameo, not just a, right. uh, you know, a single scene or a passing moment. And then, you know, CGI, he wanted to do it the way he did in Spider-Man one. He wanted to get in, in costume. He wanted to do the scenes. He wanted to do it all. And uh, I guess you have to go f- see the movie to find out if he did, but uh, it's he did it. <laughs> it's oh, I'll uh, tell it, you, he did. <laughs> it is it is cool to see that you know, uh, not only is Willem Dafoe kind of bringing it again, but uh, that guy just seems to be enthusiastic to to play uh, the the roles that he is in and does them really well. So yes, I think I, I think like without being as much of a like MCU fan as quite a lot of people out there are, uh, I think Willem Dafoe just being in the movie is already a highlight. Right. That's going to elevate it. And I agree 100%. And I will also say I've been critical of Tom Holland's Spider-Man in the past. I think Tom Holland is fine. I just don't really love the writing and the direction they've taken this Spider-Man. And um, this movie maybe made a believer out of me. I, I really enjoyed Holland in this one. I thought this is like the best we've seen MCU Peter Parker yet. Um, And, and what's interesting is especially by MCU standards... Once Norman Osborn is there doing his thing, there's just this sense of dread throughout. Like, you just know something is going to happen. And uh, it pays off in a very meaningful way. And just one other thing I want to mention about the Spider-Man is once they enter the movie, which is, you know, admittedly a little later, uh, they are like co-stars. This is definitely Holland's movie. You know, make no mistake about it. But the Spider-Boys get their screen time. And that's great. I honestly, I, I would have preferred more of it just because like, um, I, I was there for that. Like I, I follow the leaks of this movie. And even if you didn't follow the leaks, like the trailers, like, like you said, they wanted people to know <laughs> they, <laughs> they were not being shy about it. You don't put Alfred Molina in your trailer saying you're not Peter Parker unless you want people to know another Peter Parker is going to show up. Like you wouldn't even like open yourself up to that criticism. Um, the pacing of this movie is kind of weird. It's like lightning fast in the beginning and then it really slows down and then it picks up again. Um, it, it, it noticeably picks up at a certain point and is a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I, I won't spoil the end, of course, but um, by the end, there is like a status quo established and I'm very intrigued by it. Uh, I, I hope the MCU and Sony, cause that's like also part of like why I think these Spider-Man movies have been such a mess is like Sony has a mandate over here and Marvel has a mandate over here and they're trying to meet in the middle. <clears throat> I, I just hope they commit to this. I hope they actually stick with it because I was intrigued by the status quo at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming because it seemed like they were really going to commit to Spider-Man being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and then they just undid that 
in Avengers and then Spider-Man 2, MCU Spider-Man 2. Um, so needless to say, I, I just hope they stick with it. I hope the end of this movie actually pays off. And I guess the good news is, uh, we're probably several years out from an Avengers movie and who knows when we'll see Spider-Man again. So at least we get a couple years here to pretend that they're going <laughs> to stick with the plan. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know if this is like too much to share, but I, I, I definitely feel like this MCU Spider-Man trilogy really wanted to like kickstart things off at a hundred like times the speed uh, where like Spider-Man just suddenly is and is a big part of the Avengers and uh, you just kind of glossed over like the entirety of uh, that one character's like existence and uh, put them straight in the crossover. Uh, and, right. and and I feel like that was definitely like we, we, we've, we've talked before about how it was probably Marvel trying to get Sony to release Spider-Man and then doing something immediately with it that couldn't be as easily taken back. And that is putting Spider-Man in next to the Avengers immediately. Right. Um, so it feels very strange to me that this trilogy of Spider-Man movies feels influenced by a business decision um, in order to, you know, move around copyright law and licensing. And uh, the end result is, are we just going back to form? What happens next with Spider-Man? It's, it's a weird trilogy to me. And um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure what to make of it because it, 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 yeah, like something about Tom Holland, Spider-Man to me feels uh, even without having seen this movie, um, feels like it's just kind of rushed right and and after we recorded our mcu episode where we talked about spider-man a little bit i i did a little more reading and you know i'm not 100 percent accurate sure how accurate this information is but i've read it in more than one place where apparently also part of the deal sony and marvel struck was sony wanted mcu characters in their movies like sony on for their end of the deal said, whenever we make a Spider-Man movie, we want to be able to use one to two big MCU players. Uh, because it's like, you know, helps them to get butts in the seats. That's why it's Iron Man and Homecoming. And the second one, Nick Fury, and I think maybe Maria Hill show up, but that's like the smallest of the this trilogy. And then in this movie, you know, Doctor Strange, he's on every poster, he's in the trailer, and uh I think Holland even said before this movie came out, like they considered making the marketing campaign, try to like imply that it's like civil war between Dr. Strange and Spider-Man. So like they wanted Dr. Strange like front and center. Um, and, and that's interesting because that is like in a way it, it's, it's very self, it, it very much helps Marvel, but it almost feels like Sony is shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Um, because it is like you, you're just entangling yourself more in this MCU. And if you ever did want to walk away, which I think now they have no reason to. I think if Sony and Marvel can keep themselves happy, you know, keep each other happy too, like, like and, and they'll be fine. And I also think because of the success of the Insomniac games and Spider-Verse, the animated movie, Sony is feeling a little bit more confident, rightfully so. <laughs> you know, like Spider-Verse is still, I think, the best Spider-Man movie. It's in a league of its own. And then I, I, you know, I, not to get too ahead of myself with the review here of No Way Home, but I would say No Way Home is the fourth best Spider-Man movie, which is pretty good, you know? Yeah. Considering how many Spider-Man movies there have been, um, I still think the first two Raimi movies are two and three, respectively. 
Um, I, I feel like the point that she made with um, all of those other MCU characters being major players in these three Spider-Man movies is interesting because when you said that, the first thought that entered my head was it kind of feels like Spider-Man is like being babied in this trilogy. Yes. And uh, like, you know, here's Tony Stark to hold your hand. Here's Nick Fury to hold your hand and so on. And um, it, yeah, like it, it, something about it just feels wrong to me. And I think that that's, I can't connect as easily with Tom Holland's Spider-Man as much as I want to, uh, because like these films just start out way too big. And um, I, I I definitely like lean more towards the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man character more than the like every like situation is essentially world ending and we right. have to save the world every single time. That really does get tiresome. And uh, so much of the MCU is centered around that. So it it just it, it's it's totally exhausted for me. Um, right. I, I, I would love to just see, you know, that spider-man that is swinging around new york might encounter daredevil every now and then or uh some other person who dons a mask or cape to do good or evil and uh you know they 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 do their thing but that like grander universe um the weight of it doesn't need to come crashing in for me i agree and and because so much of what makes spider-man interesting is like Spider-Man's life kind of sucks. And that's a thing that has also been missing that I, again, I mentioned this movie has like a sense of dread uh, for the first, you know, I, I understand he had to deal with Thanos and he got snapped and whatever, but like MCU Spider-Man has had it relatively easy compared to Holland and Garfield and especially the comics. <laughs> None of them have had to go through the shit that comic Peter Parker's had to go through. You obviously. mean McGuire? You said Holland. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Maguire, Garfield and the comics. Um, thank you. Uh, and uh, even so, like, yeah, like the, the insomniac game, you get a glimpse of that. Like Peter's working for Doc Ock and, you know, he's he's making the money he's making. But there's some dialogue in there that, you know, hints at the lifestyle, you know, being Peter Parker and being Spider-Man in the game. <laughs> and then on top of that, like, yeah, you're trying to, like, pay your bills and do your errands and chores like, <laughs> fuck, that's just a. That's just a nightmare to consider to have right. a, you know, a, like seeking a prestigious job on top of being a superhero on top of the day to day. Just crazy. But like even then in that game, I guess you're just kind of swinging around the whole bunch. You, you play Spider-Man. You don't ever really play Peter Parker. So you don't get to like play that. Um, right. But like the little lines of dialogue do remind you that this is a core piece of that character. This is something that does define the character. And I, I, I believe it was also something that was like central to the character's creation. Like it was supposed to be somebody who was more of an average person, you know, becoming a superhero for uh, a comic book uh, franchise. So it wasn't just like this always big bombastic thing. And right. they went and turned Spider-Man into the big bombastic thing. And it was weird. Which I mean, definitely can. It, it, it's it can comic work. books, right? Like that—that that happens. It can work because, like you know, it right. is comic books. You can do whatever the hell you want, right? And for the record, I think Holland Spider-Man being an Avenger could be cool when Holland is literally in his thirties. Like I was actually pretty excited about the casting of Tom Holland because he was a teenager at the time. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like we're actually going to see, like, teenage Spider-Man being a teenager dealing with like high school stuff. 
Uh, and, and Homecoming definitely had a little bit of that, which is part of the reason I did like Homecoming for the most part. The weakest parts of Homecoming were the, the Iron Man stuff. Um, but yeah, they, they just made him an Avenger right away. And I'm like, listen, he should not be 16 fighting Thanos in space. That's so bizarre <laughs> to me. Uh, when he, again, adult Spider-Man being like a leader on the Avengers, maybe not even a leader, but just like a, a core player on the team. That's intriguing. That's interesting. Um, and I think if Sony and Marvel were smart, they would use Spider-Man to build up the street level side of the MCU, which again, we've talked about having MCU fatigue. I have to confess there's some stuff going on in the MCU right now that I'm actually interested in for the first time in a very long time. I was kind of interested in like excited about infinity war, obviously, and, and end game to some extent, but I haven't actually been intrigued by the future of the MCU in a long time. And, um, between this movie and, and Hawkeye is really the other thing that's doing it for me. I, I am. So I, I hope they, I hope they continue to go down this path and explore this stuff. Uh, but again, who knows three years from now, I could be going like, Oh, they got me again. <laughs> like I, yeah, I, I no longer care. Um, and to your point about the Spider-Man game, not playing as Peter Parker much. Could you imagine a Spider-Man game that plays like just as well as Insomniacs, but then has like persona style life sim stuff as I, peter i was just about to say persona baby uh yep, yeah that's like that's the next evolution of spider-man game and i want it so bad yeah you gotta you gotta you know live the life of peter parker and manage being spider-man on yep. top of that what a and the life sim stuff needs to be hard it needs to be like really hard to do both yeah oh yeah and, and like within that you're probably gonna have to make decisions too because like you're playing as peter parker and spider-man those worlds are gonna cross over Right. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, you, it's you're not going to make it to everything on time because guess what? A bank's getting robbed. And if you don't go help it, like there's like a negative stat thing because like Peter's going to beat himself up about it. You know, give your landlord your rent payment or, you know, go Buy save the bank. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right. Yeah. Rob the bank. <laughs> rob the bank. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, with regards to like Tom Holland, Spider-Man finally getting some like pretty severe punishment. I would be curious if there are any like Tom Holland MCU stands out there that maybe didn't like this movie because it is so dark. I've seen people talking about that on Twitter, but I don't know if that's a thing that's actually happening or it's just a case of people on Twitter making up someone they don't like oh, <laughs> and yeah. getting mad about it. Twitter made a guy again. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but I would be interested if there is like a, a Holland stand out there that is like, no, I, it was too dark for me. I didn't like it. Uh, in which case, like that's, Again, that's just not really liking Spider-Man that much, to be honest. Like, and not to sound gatekeeping, because I'm always really like self-conscious about that when it comes to talking about comic books. Because the last thing I want is to sound like I'm an insufferable shithead. But it is just like at a certain point, it's like you just don't. I don't think you like Spider-Man very much, and at least you have a few good MCU movies you can enjoy. Then I guess good for you, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about in this movie is uh, one thing I did really, really like is the conflict of this movie could reasonably have been done and over with like less than an hour and a half into the movie, I think. But Peter Parker made it harder on himself because he was doing what he felt, what he was compelled to do, you know, he he thought was the right thing. And that was another characterization moment where I was like, they, they've knocked it out of the park in this one. Like truly, like this is the best Peter Parker we've seen in the MCU, no doubt. Uh, it feels like a real evolution of his character. And, and it does in some ways feel like this is where he should have started, maybe. Like, like homecoming should have this should have maybe been homecoming. Um, 
just because like we talked about this in our at the beginning of our spoiler synopsis, but like the second Spider-Man MCU movie, Far From Home, just really feels so much like a stepping stone. Uh, like it, it doesn't really do much new in the grand scheme of Spider-Man. Um, so I don't know. It's almost hard to justify the trilogy for me. But this movie's good. This movie was good ultimately. Like where where it ended up, where it took Peter, I thought was was good. So I don't want to get too caught up in talking about past sins. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I want to talk to you about, Michael, because I'm curious to hear your input on this. And 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 we're we're going to be talking about a very specific minority of MCU viewer here. I think I think as we've discussed before, I think most people who watch these movies are very normal about it. <laughs> I think they watch them and go on with their day. Um, but I want to address the. It's a contingent of viewer I've seen that, from my view, is growing because Kevin Feige has even weighed in on this now. And that is like MCU fans who think these movies should like seriously be considered as like high art and like Oscar contenders. And I should say off the top, I don't follow the Oscars. I, I don't pay much attention to what they do over there. They can do whatever they want. I don't really have any skin in this game. Um, some superhero movies have been nominated for an Oscar. Uh, I, I do think it's true. The Oscars have like a bias towards certain type of movies like us comedy and horror fans over here going like, yeah, <laughs> like when people are whining about superhero movies not being nominated. It's, it's the first time meme from Buster Scruggs. Like, um, and, 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 and to be honest, I think part of the reason I don't care much about the Oscars is cause like the movies I have always liked my whole life are never in that conversation. So it's just like, oh, okay, there's really nothing, you know. And award shows are silly, <laughs> just flat out. So um, where I'm going with this, though, is like I've already seen people say like this movie should be seriously considered as like best picture or whatever. The plot of this movie does not handle any sort of scrutiny. Like like the moment you try to like analyze it beyond just casually watching the movie, it all falls apart. And that's fine. It's a comic book movie. But the reason I say that, like, I wanted to address the that contingent of viewer who thinks it should be considered high art is I think this is a perfect example of a movie of why you should change that. You, you should reconsider that position because it's fun. It's a blast. There's a lot to like in this movie. But if you are telling me you think this should be nominated for Best Picture, I think that means it needs to, like, hold up to scrutiny, right? Uh, and at least, like... At the very minimum, the narrative needs to make sense, or if it doesn't need to, if it doesn't make sense, it needs to lean into like the Lynchian absurdism and and make you feel and think a certain way, which this movie also doesn't really do. Yeah, yeah does that make sense? Uh, yes, it, it makes one hundred percent of sense to me. Um, because my thought is, in order for this movie to you know take that mantle on its own without any other contextual support from other media. It has to stand strong and it doesn't because it does rely upon contextual pieces of narrative from other pieces of media. And uh, if you have not and seen Spider-Man franchises, yes, straight up. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man trilogy, then eh, who is this guy and why should I care? Right. Um, mm -hmm. There's there's that level of context that the film requires. So. Uh, if you haven't seen the other things and you probably want to ahead of time so that you get the reference, uh, otherwise, you know, you won't be able to use the, I get that reference meme from Avengers 2012. <laughs> right. But like in that sense, context is everything. And if you're watching this movie 
and only this movie, uh, you're not going to have it. You're going to probably get the gist of things explained to you. Um, but uh, it, it it's different than, say, like getting exposition in Star Wars A New Hope versus making the prequels first and then jumping in at Star Wars A New Hope. Two different scenarios. And this movie is the latter where you, you, you kind of want that context. So um, it'd be kind of weird to give best picture to like uh, the 12th movie in a franchise like that sequel that far in. Here we go. Um, right. And, and, and so like, again, on its own, it needs to be self-contained and it is spilling over the edges into other things, which is again, like you said, fine. It is just for fun. It's entertainment. Um, the fact that it, doesn't get like a shiny gold award doesn't mean anything you can still go and watch it and have fun with it yeah this movie had like the biggest opening december of all time or something crazy like it's it's already a success by the metric in which these folks care about and and at that point too like you can go back and watch it whenever and still have a fun time right the knowledge of whether or not it won a shiny little man is not going to ruin your enjoyment <laughs> but I like the shiny little man, Michael. <laughs> and and on top of that, the shiny little man is fucking bullshit. Who cares? Yeah, melt it down. Like even even movies that I love that are high art. No, I'm just not. <laughs> I was going into going into a bit. But like e- even like movies that <laughs> every movie I love is high art. <laughs> <laughs> even even movies that do stand very well on their own and and do those things that you know, for your metrics would be a contender for that award. Awards are kind of dumb anyway. You're just patting yourself on the back for whatever. Right. So um, really the the focus should be making fun and interesting movies and watching fun and interesting movies, having fun. So uh, that is, you know, the means and the ends. So whether it wins an award or not, eh, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Right. I also think there's something to be said about like I, I just fundamentally I think there can be artistry in a mainstream piece of entertainment, of course. Uh, but I do think there's something to be said where like I don't know if like true art can come from a product that is designed for mass consumption and it's market tested and it has scenes that can be taken out if need be overseas. And you know what I mean? Just like that I, I think when Scorsese said these movies are theme park rides, he was accurate. And I don't think even like Disney upper management disagrees with that. They are the company that makes theme parks. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's necessarily that dismissive. And I think there is artistry in these movies. It's just, I would not call these with works of art. Right. I, I, I agree 100% there because like, again, at the end of the day, it's about fun and entertainment. And, you know, sometimes you just want to have, you know, something that's tasty and sweet and you don't really get a whole bunch of nutritional value out of it. But hey, it feels good. And that's great. Um, sometimes you you want to watch something that's like going to make you think and blow your mind. And I don't think any of these movies are going to necessarily do that. But there are movies out there that will. And those are also fun and enjoyable. Um, so it's the mood at the time. And sometimes the mood calls for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, And sometimes the mood calls for, I don't know, 
uh, Twin Peaks or I was going to say Firewalk with me. <laughs> Firewalk with yeah, or or you know, two thousand one is Space Odyssey. Like, not everything has to be Lynchian or Kubrick or um, you know, uh, held to that standard. But then also like the opposite direction. Um, not everything has to be that like uh, MCU style. Like, oh, it's the greatest crossover of all time or. Uh, it, it is all the culmination of everything, and and it is the most important thing in the world because everybody is out there going to see Spider Man. Right. It is again just another piece of media. So you know when you go and see it, process what you feel, and if it's good, sit down and watch it again. If it's bad, move on to the next thing. It won't hurt you. Totally. Um, the final thing I want to say about No Way Home before I do my little score is. This is something you brought up in our, um, syn- our our synopsis run earlier, where um, I say run because I view everything as a game because I'm a gamer. Um, <laughs> you, you mentioned it felt like it seemed to you just from your outsider perspective that Sony saw how well Spider-Verse did and was like, let's just do that. I want to give a shout out to Caleb Grine, calling this Caleb's Corner. it's an inevitability whenever we talk about spider-man next we got to make sure it works out to have him on uh caleb sorry again this one didn't work out i've been talking to him about spider-man a lot since i finished this and that dude knows his spider-man man man. (laughs) like it's it's been very interesting but he mentioned to me like a couple months ago exactly what you picked up on and i have not stopped thinking about it since which is it does feel like sony has just sort of sort of like held their finger up and felt which way the breeze is blowing and gone all right we're gonna do that like Spider-Verse movie did very well. It was lightning in a bottle. It was amazing. So they greenlit this movie and then they greenlit the Miles Morales game. And and it also feels like parts of this movie are sort of a rebuttal and a reaction to perhaps fan complaints about Tom Holland's tenure as Spider-Man thus far. And that's not fair. It's not fair to, I should say the MCU Spider-Man. I don't, again, I think Tom Holland himself is fine. Um, and, and so it does. That's why I said at the top, if you've liked a Spider-Man thing, you're going to like this. And it almost feels like cheating because I, I do think that's what Sony's doing. And I'm a little torn on it because that's only going to get you so far, obviously. Um, and I think you could make a case for isn't that just how adaptations go in general? You you are going to adapt the most popular comic book runs into a movie for sure. Um, But I don't know. It's just kind of got me thinking because on one hand, I'm kind of like. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, if I'm a huge media conglomerate, that's exactly how I'm going to make my decisions. And I'm going to just do a lot of, like, harmless fan service and make the people happy. But then other times you are kind of like, it, it becomes very easy to track, like, what we're going to be seeing in the coming years, you know? Yeah, like, it, it kind of feels like a weird back and forth. There's 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 a lot that's, like, outside of these films and, like, in the real world that feels like they influence how they're made and the narratives that they end up pursuing. Um, ultimately, I believe my personal wish would be for like a superhero film genre to like put a microscope back in things and start focusing on individual stories that are interesting. Um, and the whole like big franchise thing, it's 
corporate executives like you know looking for payday and i get that but um God, it just exhausts me so much so mm-hmm. um i am i'm more interested in those like ac- acutely focused stories than these like big bombastic things and like you know knowing that like oh hey this company might have affected you know the the story of this movie because of it it's just it's too much to think about it's too much for me at the end of the day i just want to like it's kind of weird because like i just want to sit down and uh uh put on a movie that'll like make me think and at the end of that movie um the thing that keeps it alive and keeps it going is all self-contained in 90 to two hours 90 minutes two hours of uh of cinema um, but, um, we're beyond that or under that, who knows, but, um, <laughs> like that. And, and sometimes, sometimes I see movies vying for a sequel in the, the, the first movie in a new IP and a new thing that's never been heard of before. And I just roll my eyes because I'm like, well, I hope you made the box office so that you could make right. that sequel. I see what you're doing. And it's not like that's a nice cart you put in front of your horse. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's not a, a big like, oh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to the audience that we're going to make a new one. I, I see it as kind of a challenge uh, that, oh, y- y- you think you're going to make the box office for this, you know, um, and, and that's not like me being antagonistic towards the filmmakers in the studio it's just kind of like it, it really takes me out of the movie when you know here's a new thing it, it's not a sequel or a reboot or a remake it is a, a truly new thing and then within that at some point it's like oh there's gonna they're they're hoping to make a part two and you can just tell right i i just would love to see you know that type of stuff happen less often and i don't think it will <laughs> you know the, the nature nah. of the industry <laughs> and the economy and society uh we live in a society ah, ah, ah. uh th- that that shit won't change um uh at least not like it, it, it won't it won't change that trend um it'll encourage that trend and uh that kind of sucks for me because i'm not on board with it but uh, I mean, there are still things out there that fit that mold and will fit that, um, you know, that 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 metric. And I'm not alone in that. So I'm OK. But um, right. it's fucking weird. It really is. And and sometimes you do get like something cool out of that, like sort of corporate synergy mindset. Like literally the reason Venom exists is because, you know, decades ago. Some executive wanted Spider-Man to have a black suit so they could sell action figures. And then a very, you know, skilled comic artist and writer were like, okay, it's a story about an alien who makes <laughs> and then they made up Venom. And you're like, okay, that's like a very badass reason to sell action figures, right on. But you know, for every one of those, you get a thousand just literally no explanation. Just uh here's like a here's a new Somehow Palpatine has returned. It actually is funny because there is a moment in this new Spider-Man movie where he gets like a slight suit upgrade that serves no purpose but just to Here's a, a slightly different design. <laughs> so if your kid doesn't have the new toy at Christmas this year, they're going to fucking cry Sounds about like it. Sounds like you're fucked. <laughs> and you have to <laughs> yeah. deal with it, mom and dad. Yeah. It's not our fault that we gave Spider-Man a flashy news suit. <laughs> well, that being said, I know we sound like we've been kind of down on it. 
And I, we probably have. I haven't seen <laughs> the it. industry as a whole. <laughs> right. Um, I would say this movie, as a comic book movie, I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 Spider-Men. All 8 right. out of 10 different Spider-Boys from the multiverse. Spider-Folks. Let's do that. 8 out of 10 Spider-Folks. Uh, like I told you, Michael, I, I, it's it's hard to say like someone has to go see it because <laughs> like yeah. it's a, you know, I don't care. But once it's out, if you are able to get it easily, if you have Disney Plus, it'll surely make its way there. I imagine because uh, I think Sony and Marvel made a deal for that to finally happen. That's also another funny angle of this. Like you can't watch Spider Man movies on Disney streaming service. Um, it, it'll it'll treat you well. It'll it's a fun watch. Um, yeah, uh, you know it. It I think it is like definitely on the right path for Spider Man in the MCU. It's weird it took this long, I guess, but I'll take what I can get. There it is. And that was Spider-Man No Way Home. As, as someone who hasn't seen it, I don't think I'm going to rush out to a movie theater to watch. Even if we weren't in the middle of history right now, I probably <laughs> wouldn't go see it just because, I mean, eh. But like, yeah, someday I'll probably watch it. You know, maybe like we're hanging out and we're thinking about watching a movie. Fuck it. Spider-Man. Or it'll be there. And I'm like, you know what? Just jump in. Have a dumb fun right. time. It's all right. So I'll get around to it. It'll happen. Um, now it's time for a heated gaming moment. It's time for the heated gaming moment. Down So I have recently been playing Aliens Fireteam Elite. And I told you about this, Roman. Uh, I, I, I downloaded it. It came to Game Pass. And I was kind of excited to play it. Having not played it from its release, I I do recall uh, it's kind of a controversial game. It, it's definitely not a fantastic game. Um, <laughs> a lot of people have been kind of uh, either negative or um, just accepting it for what it is. And it is a pretty janky game. Uh, however, I uninstalled it yesterday. Or the day before. I can't remember. I uninstalled it very shortly after playing. I think I played it for maybe like three or four hours. And let me tell you, it was not great. It was not good. It was not even like... (sighs) All right. It was more so (laughs) mediocre. And there are parts of it that are bad. But it never really strayed into the so bad it's good territory. And let me tell you why. Uh, in, in very brief terms, um, it's just kind of a run of mill shooter, and that's great. It's fine. Um, the shooting mechanics are kind of okay. They're, they're nothing to write home about. I think the most egregious thing with it is that when you aim, uh, you, you raise your, your weapon to aim with uh, mm-hmm. one of your buttons, uh, and then you press another button to shoot, just like in many other shooters, uh, it zooms in really far. And you have to usually keep a, a wide perspective because you're getting swarmed by either xenomorphs right. or by androids. <laughs> and you're going to be focusing uh, very much on one of them while you're aiming that uh, you can't really see that much. So it's like, gosh, th- why does this pulse driver have a friggin' sniper rifle scope on it? I have no clue. Um, (laughs) the second thing is I'm playing this on PC and I wanted to play with keyboard or mouse because it is a third person shooter. (laughs) You want the the precision of the PC desktop computer power. Uh, that is the mouse (laughs) for some reason, 
this game does not always register my mouse clicks. And I, I actually experimented with this for a little while, um, just in, in the downtime. And uh, when I would like rotate to the right um, with my with my mouse or turn to the right, uh, it would not work. I couldn't aim. I couldn't shoot for some reason. But when I turned to the left or if I was standing still, it would work. And I thought, OK, so I just have to avoid moments where I'm like turning to the right. And, you know, if, if I do that, I might not be able to fire my weapon or even aim my weapon. Weird. Uh, now, that wasn't true. It was also fucking random. It just kept stop. Like, it just it just stopped working on its own. That's so bizarre. And it would, like, happen. And I, I like, a xenomorph would be rushing at me and I'd be, like, mashing the left click button to shoot. And it just wouldn't happen. And then it would finally do it after, like, took a hit or two, right? It was very frustrating. And it cost me a few runs. Um, so I, I die and have to start the mission from the very beginning all over again. Was it supposed to be like a gun jamming thing? Or Not just... at all. I, I, pl- I, I plugged in a controller and it works totally fine on the controller. The triggers uh, on the controller, they have no issues whatsoever. I did a little bit of Googling and turns out this game has an issue. I thought, you know, is it my mouse? Do I need to get mm-hmm. a new mouse? No. Um, every other game that I've played since has been perfectly fine it has had no issues uh regular operation on my computer you know from day to day since i've noticed that problem aliens fire team elite again no issue whatsoever it is solely within that program within that game um no clue why it seems it seems like a like a rudimentary thing to you know have work but it doesn't work um other things like i'm shooting at an alien and then it like teleports like a few feet over to the left or the right or whatever direction because oh, yeah, you gotta watch out for those teleporting aliens. weird like just like weird like jumps like the character's moving I'm like I'm, I'm aiming at it shooting at it and then it like boops over here i'm like what, what are you doing <laughs> the animation i guess like triggers some really weird things so, yeah, I think that's from AVP, actually. That's interesting. They put it in there. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's on its on the whole. It's like those, those things are really like frustrating. Some of them are and like intentional design things like the zooming. Other things are unintentional, like the mouse not working correctly. And honestly, like even the game at its core, it should be cool, like Left for Dead, but aliens. And right. um you can get on with your friends and and get a team of three going to to go uh, fight through a swarm. I tried public matchmaking. I sat there for fifteen minutes. Not a single person popped into my party. Wow. Um, so I was forced to play with bots. <laughs> the bots are awful. Uh, not they, they don't heal you. Um, I mean, if you if you get downed, they will try to revive you, which is good. But they have no med kits, so they do not try to heal you. Uh, they don't really use grenades or any special items or weapons. They just use their main primary weapon, which is like a pulse rifle. And they're dumb as a box of rocks. Like, which I guess, like, you know, most <laughs> multiplayer games that substitute the real player with the AI bot, um, you know, that is kind of to be expected. You're not going to get uh, the best of the best because it would make the game too easy. Uh, mind you, right. I'm playing on like normal difficulty. I'm not trying to, you know, go for any clout or or uh, bragging rights. I'm just trying to play the game casually for fun. 
And it was really hard because of that. It definitely is designed for three people, not one with AI friends. And um, the matchmaking just made it so that I couldn't really find real people. Um, So I played some missions and died several times trying to complete them and then was forced back to the very beginning of those missions. They're not short. They might run like 20 to 30, maybe even 40 (laughs) minutes, you know? So like imagine losing that much progress. Like you get to the very end and you lose because they just sent an endless swarm of big xenomorphs at you because it's the finale. You know, you want to have that bombastic finale and get the heck out of Dodge. Um, So it was rough, very rough. I dropped the difficulty down to casual and same thing happened. I still got swarmed, still couldn't manage on my own with the AI partners. It was just far too much. And I'm surprised that I managed to get as far in as I did because I did kind of brute force it. Uh, right. But that said, I'm not going to ask you to download it to play with me. <laughs> nor anybody else (laughs) i've already uninstalled it and you know it it's without some of those issues like the mouse clicking thing and um the uh like the aliens teleporting around or like it's like weird glitches that would happen just nonchalantly um it's kind it's okay you know it's just a run-of-the-mill shooter um it was probably made by a smaller team and uh, it, it, it is what it is. I don't expect alien isolation out of it. It's not that. Um, but mm. gosh, it, it it just did not meet some like very basic quality uh, metrics, which is one. I, why can't I use my mouse? What is up with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> so bizarre. It, I, it, I just decided immediately it's time to move on. You know, I've I've had my fill. It's interesting. Like and I know this is not the exact same situation but just the concept like it it seems like it works great with controller even on a pc but it doesn't work with keyboard and mouse and there's been like a few games i can think of in recent memory where like the like console performance seems to actually be better than pc and and when did that become a thing you know yeah i'm not sure i can it used to see that very reliably the opposite yeah i could i could see that easily with console exclusives and this game is not that um so it's kind of weird to see it here but um you know i i'm maybe that also can happen when a publisher or developer does the uh, the market research and thinks well we'll make more money with this title on the playstation or the switch or the xbox and right. in some cases, you're looking at the full spectrum. So you're looking at all the consoles, uh, including desktop PCs and Mac, Linux. Um, and you're looking at like, OK, well, if we release this on the Switch, it's going to make us the most money. So the, the mm-hmm. Switch version is going to be the definitive, the ultimate, the like the best running um, optimized and perfect version of the game. Whereas all the other ones turn out crap because the market research said that, eh, you know, they'll bring in a few bucks, but ultimately they're not worth focusing that kind of effort and money on. And right. you get this compromise that really sucks if you ha- if you don't have a switch, but you wanted to play that game. Um, right. 
So if you want the good version of the game, then you got to do that. I don't know if that's the case with Aliens Fireteam Elite. It might be. I just know that there are other games out there that have suffered from that specific issue. Um, I think there are a few Sonic games that are like that, where like the Wii version <laughs> is the definitive bad version. Um, but like it is kind of a bad thing in the industry that we have to live with. Because, um, you know, again, hey, we'll make a few more million by putting it out on another console or on a PC, but it's not going to be our main bread and butter. So who cares if it's good or not? Right. Well, interesting. I'm sorry it did not treat you well. Yeah, it's a shame because Aliens is cool. And, um, you know, they'll they'll come along another day with another alien shooter like it sometime down the road. Yeah. Well, I guess there's still hope for Reverse. Yeah, Resident Evil Reverse coming 2028. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's call it there. This uh, mini mechanics has gone a little longer than I thought. Also, you probably just heard it there. My uh, little record setup here keeps falling apart. So have fun with this the one, The studio Michael. is literally caving in. So we'll see you next time. Yep, enjoy cutting all this out. Oh, my God. I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs>